Nearly 20 million American students were registered in college or university in the fall of 2020. All of them went through some sort of process to get there, meaning that the schools they applied to guided each one through an admissions procedure. That's an awful lot of students, both new and returning, to keep track of. And it puts admissions processes in the spotlight. For example, did the students experience problems trying to communicate with their school of choice? Were they told to submit more information to complete their application, leading to delays in acceptance? Did they believe the school considered them important enough to make them feel welcome? While the admissions process is the first step on the road to a higher education and ostensibly a career, it's also a school's chance to make a good first impression. After all, students represent revenue. So the business case for having an efficient admissions department revolves around how students judge their admissions experience. In manufacturing, companies strive to make the best products possible with the greatest efficiency possible. They do it by spending a lot of time and attention on quality, quality control and quality assurance. They evaluate their processes, they pinpoint the weaknesses, and they create methods to strengthen those weaknesses. Hello, I'm Chris Henry, and this is another episode of Ahead of the Curve, a podcast series about Salesforce technology in action. Ahead of the Curve is produced by Gerent, one of the top Salesforce implementation companies. In this episode, we'll hear from April Bulwidge, Gerent's education practice lead, and Lance Johnson, Senior Director of EQMS at Gerent, as they discuss where the pain points are for schools when it comes to admissions, and how the principles of quality management can be applied to solve those issues. But let's begin by taking a closer look at our core assumption that the admissions process demands particular attention ahead of other areas in a school organization. Why admissions and not recruitment, for example? Here's April Bulwich. That's a really good question, Chris. I and mean, when you think of all of the, the challenges facing institutions and all the opportunity, there are so many, and, and a lot of concentration tends to go on delivery and what happens in the classroom. But it's important to remember that if students don't get through your pipeline in an efficient way or in a, let's say, a pleasant way or an effective way for the student or potentially their decision maker, their parent, they may not make it to the classroom part. And it could be an admissions bias and a, a process-related bias, but it's kind of order of operations, right? Recruitment is first, and a lot of people spend time on recruitment and tools related to recruitment. But then the handoff to admissions is the next step. And because admissions is such a critical part of the student experience and their journey into becoming a part of a university or an institution's community, it's oftentimes considered the gateway into that school. So your admissions process is sometimes the first communication you might even have with a student or have any engagement with someone for them to get to know someone or something about your institution or your program and for things to fail at that point are incredibly disappointing, especially, I mean, depending on the length of the admissions process, but because you finally got someone who's interested and they're ready to be in your program, but then they get kind of stuck in this admissions piece. And it's a, it's a bad first experience for them and it can negatively affect the university as a whole or the program as a whole, depending on how the experience goes. So this really is a case of first impressions can be lasting. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, you think about anyone's experience in doing some research online, you might find some information about a school, you may know something about them, 
but it's really not until you get some interaction or engagement or messaging back from them. And a lot of that does happen as part of the admissions process. So that first welcome email that you might get or might not get, or the one you get a couple of days later than you expected, that could be um, really important to how you decide on which school you attend based on how you're treated by that school and how welcome you feel by that institution. Yeah. So describe some of the pain points then, uh, April, you know, within admissions departments, some of the things that really they're really struggling with these days. I mean, in general, the role of admissions is is very critical and there's so many different pieces to it. There's there are personal considerations for the student you want to look at. There are all of the many requirements for the institution itself, depending on the program type or the level of the program. Those requirements can vary. And sometimes that's not always clear to an admissions professional. You know, they may have a cheat sheet somewhere of what to look for in an application, but it may not be readily available for every major or every program. That coupled with potentially not having the best communication tools or very detailed communication plan can make it really hard on you as an admissions professional to sit there and you're stuck between this place of wanting to engage with students and be this cheerleader and this great positive representative of your school. But on the other side, you're, you're looking at, okay, well, I have all these rules I have to follow. So I'm stuck between being the, the middleman or the middle woman in this case of, gee, I really want to welcome this student, but I have to check all these boxes. And I may not even have access to all those boxes I need to check because of the complication or the complicated way that some information is stored for, for admissions professionals. For Lance Johnson, Gerrit's senior director of EQMS, this all has a familiar sound. Processes that aren't working efficiently, leading to waste, and ultimately customer dissatisfaction. In other words, quality issues. Well, I would like to frame the discussion of quality issues through the lens of continuous improvement. And continuous improvement is the ongoing improvement of products in general, the ongoing improvement of products, services, or processes. Improvements can be incremental over time or breakthrough, which is improvement that happens all at once. So opportunities for improvement usually manifest as pain points. For example, like in a manufacturer, a manufacturing organization, a manufacturer may experience the pain of high product defect rate, which can lead to costly returns or even product recall. Uh, at an individual level, pain points can result from process inefficiencies. A great way, especially if you're looking for immediate feedback and uh, you can ask any employee, hey, what's difficult or frustrating about your job? And you'll probably get an immediate response. Now, so you've brought up manufacturing and that is the likely setting for both quality issues and, and quality improvement. Can quality improvement, can the process of quality improvement work in an industry where things are intangible? For example, in the educational arena, which is what we're talking about in this episode, uh, and specifically admissions at a college or university. How realistic is it to expect quality improvement process with something intangible like admissions? Well, excellent question. Uh, the great thing about these methodologies is they're all based on principles, which are truly universally applicable. So, for example, we've, we've discussed lean manufacturing before, and lean manufacturing principles are designed to eliminate waste, to optimize processes, to cut costs, to boost innovation, and reduce time to market. 
Those same principles, though, or at least some of those same principles, can be applied anywhere. Six Sigma methodology, its primary focus is eliminating defects. But again, the principles that are behind those methodologies can be applied to any discipline, any industry, and really all facets of life, both at a corporate level and also on a personal or individual level. So really what we're talking about, obviously, then is the application of, of lean management practices, aren't we? And, and given that, where would you think the starting point would be for an admissions department at a university to look at the practical problem of improving the processes there? What do you think is the likely starting point? Well, when approaching any endeavor, if one tries to assemble a comprehensive list of potential improvements, it would quickly become overwhelming. So a good place to start is by identifying a small number of pain points that seem particularly acute. From there, once you've identified those pain points, conduct a root cause analysis on each of those issues to make sure the true core issue is identified and understood, and then identify whether the effort to resolve that issue would in a general sense be high, medium, or low. That will give you a good sense of the problem or what seems like the problem is, uh, as well as a relative level of effort to address the issue. Basically, as Captain put it in the film Cool Hand Luke, what we have here is failure to communicate. Put another way, data silos plugging up processes. Oh, absolutely. And it's one of those cases where you understand where data silos come from. Everybody's been in a situation where they don't have access to something for a very good reason, right? Because it doesn't, it's not data that belongs to them. It's sensitive and should be really um, referred to by another department or another area of your school. But the fact is there's there are ways that that can be overcome with technology now where people can have very specific roles and rights to see data that's important to do their day-to-day -day job where it wasn't the case maybe a few years ago. And that alone is something that would be super helpful for people in an admissions role or even outside the admissions department, but that are involved in the admission process, like reviewers of documents outside of admissions. If you have let's say certain applicants need to go through a, a review board or review, review process, or if they need to go to a department level and you need department chairs to look at them because it's a very competitive department or program. That ability to share that information across departments, across levels in a flexible way is super important and, and would really, really help schools to get their students through the process quickly, efficiently, and also a bit more, I'll say more personally too. So it, it seems to me that if an admissions department is intent on instituting some quality improvements, they're really going to have to do so in conjunction with these other areas uh, with which they interact on an ongoing basis. Absolutely. When you think of the admissions role in the student journey or in the milestones that a student will accomplish as they're engaging with an institution, admissions is in the middle. It's usually between a recruitment piece or recruitment team, or maybe enrollment management and admissions at that particular institution are kind of are, are hand in hand. Not in all institutions is not the case. And then, as you mentioned, there are going to be these, the baton is being passed to another party at some point. It could be for review of scholarship. It could be review for the program acceptance. It could be requirement-based, but all those things tie very closely in with the admissions process, even though they're outside of it. 
and finding a way to bridge those gaps and get the necessary parties involved on that review and part of that review process in a seamless way, in a way that you have a single source of truth about that student where the necessary parties can comment and approve or ask questions and get information into that, uh, the student's record for the admissions team to review will only make that process more friendly for the student and much more efficient for the admissions team. Who's going to lead the charge here then? Because obviously this is going to be a case as it is, for example, in manufacturing when senior management, uh, you know, carries the torch for digital transformation, let's say. Who has to carry the torch in this case? Ideally, it would be something that's led through the admissions team. And if the admissions team can do this as a proactive exercise where they can start to review their process themselves, it's fantastic. What tends to happen, though, unfortunately, is that the admissions process is called into question when there are changes to the pipeline or when the student flow is not as, let's say, robust as it might have been in the past. So they wonder, okay, where can we look? Well, admissions tends to be a place where things slow down or where there tend to be a lot of requirements and it gets complicated. Oh, it must be admissions. So rather than wait for it to be, you know, wait for any potential issues within admissions or any shortcomings to bubble to the surface, it would be great if admissions professionals were aware that this would be something to apply to their internal process. You know, as you, as you asked before, part of the, uh, I'm gonna say part of the challenge, but part of the opportunity in this process is to really see where admissions falls within the, in the greater university community and as part of that student life cycle and process. So while students, or I'm sorry, while the admissions team understands all their, their various reach because they're interacting with people from different areas, departments, student services, um, with the recruitment team, potentially with the academic team, depending on the way your school is set up, it's not always clear and that's not always well documented. So it's, it's a day-to-day -day that everyone understands that, oh, I know I go speak to someone in student services when I need this. I know that, but it's not always well documented. So part of this whole process is also to really lay out your end-to-end student experience and find out where the touch points are and who the key players are. So you can actually analyze that in a way that says, okay, hmm, I'm looking at our student pipeline. And of course, we're, you know, we're focusing on admissions here because it is a gateway to the greater university community. But I see, you know, as, as we look at this process, there are a couple other hands in the pot here. How do we make that engagement more seamless and how do we give them the information they need to help the admissions process? Well, we live in a time where technology is transforming everything, and that includes processes. When technology is applied to data silos, for example, a lot of good things can happen. Here's Lance Johnson again. Technology can be immensely helpful, particularly in the area of process. And so let me back up a step and say that, in general, there's a number of different considerations for improvements. Uh, one of those is people. Uh, manpower, right, which involves training and the way that people operate and interact. Uh, one of those is process or methods. And so when you are considering automated solutions, really the biggest focus there is on those two areas. It can provide and manage training for employees. It can queue up applicable processes and reinforce established processes. The other nice thing about automated systems is they can collect data, which when aggregated can provide really meaningful insights uh, for future decision-making. Data aggregation by definition breaks down data silos because aggregation goes hand in hand 
with visibility across an organization. So if we look at an admissions process or an admissions department at a university that's experiencing a number of issues, you could argue that those issues can be traced back to data silos where individuals within other departments are just not aware of what's going on within admissions. So the whole system becomes a little rickety. That's definitely uh, potentially the, the situation. In addition to that, there may be some process or standardization issues. Oftentimes in the, in the ongoing evolution of any company, it's typical for, uh, we'll call it lower maturity companies or lower developed uh, companies that are less further along in their, in their maturity and their development of their processes that they will rely on individual efforts and sometimes what's called heroic efforts, where all of the process resides in people's or a person's mind. They know what to do. They have the tribal knowledge that allows them to be effective. However, that information is not visible to the rest of the organization. And so when it comes time to replace that person when it comes time to scale or just to increase the visibility. It's almost impossible because it's in a person's head instead of systematized and institutionalized. Information locked in an employee's head poses another danger, and it's one that the manufacturing industry, for example, is charging straight towards, and that's retirement. Huge swaths of manufacturing employees are retiring, and the knowledge they have in their heads is going out the door with them. No industry is immune from this, and that includes education. When April Bulwich was Senior Director of Admissions at ELS Educational Services, she oversaw admissions requirements for more than 600 higher education institutions in the U.S. ELS underwent a detailed study to determine how their own admissions processes could be improved. Retiring employees was one of the problems they tackled, and in doing so, ELS learned about their own data silos. That's very true, and part of this process did allow us to get some of that knowledge out. You know, we internally were not sharing our own best practices. We were territory-based in the sense that we had admissions professionals that were working with various countries and things that might work for one may not work for the other. And that inherently made us not share those things because we always felt like everyone's territory was special and it worked the same way. When we had this process, part of it was a, a huge, there was an interview segment of it where it's, everyone got to tell their story. And that engaged people and made them feel part of the solution and not that they were being picked at or that they were being held under, you know, held to a higher standard than someone else or they were being, their work was under a microscope. It was very inclusive and it helped for some of that. And then what came out of that were those things that you mentioned where someone had been with the company forever and they just knew. They knew what to look for in an application because they were so experienced. And it wasn't something anybody else wrote down because that was their job and they had done it forever. This allowed us to really say, okay, there are a couple of notes here or a couple of points that could be maybe not necessarily a requirement, but they're a best practice. There are what to look out for for an application. There are how to flag a certain student. And we didn't have that capability in our system at the time. And those things were identified and then enabled by technology to say, okay, here are some helpful hints if you're reviewing an application from a certain country or for a certain program type or for a certain institution, you're going to want to look out for X, Y, and Z because every one of those things is unique. But somebody keeping their head doesn't help the rest of the team. And this allowed us to give those people a chance to share their knowledge in a way that knowledge itself was developed and shared within the team 
and accessible for the team. So if we had new people start, it wasn't a matter of, okay, now sit down with everybody in the department. They're going to tell you their story and what they know. It's here are some more tools that are available to you. And here are some things to look out for when you're reviewing an application from a specific school or specific program. The idea of capturing tribal knowledge is critical to virtually all companies. Lance Johnson looks at this in the clinical manner of a quality expert. Correct, yes. And one of the hallmarks of uh, quality is the application of risk management and risk mitigation. And so what you're describing is absolutely a risk that companies face. With both aging workforce and also the trend of an increasingly mobile workforce, where employees may not be expected to stay at a particular job or in a career for the entire duration of their work life. So absolutely capturing, uh, first defining process and then capturing that, documenting it is one fantastic way of managing and mitigating risk. For companies that are under the purview of quality management, uh, especially regulatory, regulated companies, uh, that's absolutely one of the foundational hallmarks. That's something that must be done. However, it's a wise principle for any company, any organization. When April Bulwage and ELS went through their review of admissions processes, they had the foresight to bring in a third-party consultant to lead the exercise. What they discovered about themselves surprised them. Inherently, I think people kind of get, we'll say, maybe protective of their own process, their own piece of work. And it was very much so that it was, it couldn't possibly be the admissions team because we were doing the best we could with our tools. Well, sure we were, but our tools could have been better. But we weren't looking at it in that way. We were more so looking at this is how we have done things for so long or a way we have adapted our process to deal with the tools that we had. And sure, everyone was doing their best, but there were things that we could tweak. And this objective view of the project helped us see that. It helped us look at it in a way of, this isn't about what, I did or what an individual person did is what our system can do, what our process is set up for, where our time, our handoff of folders at the time was. And it allowed us to think about, hmm, okay, if we can move this one time deadline up, which is something we hadn't considered, we can actually reduce our turnaround time by an entire day. And that was something that came out of the, of the exercise, which was having someone else look at it and sit there at times with a stopwatch and see how long it took us to review a student file to say, okay, I understand your mail comes in at this point because we're still doing everything on, on paper at that point. You know, your mail comes in or your cutoff is a certain time. If you want to move that back 45 minutes, it's going to allow you to increase the second part of your process and allow you to turn around more applications more quickly. How this can be accomplished efficiently comes down to the role of technology. And in the case of ELS, that meant using the Salesforce platform for their admissions team. So what is it about Salesforce that makes its capability unique to the situation? So in the case that, that we were experiencing ELS, it was, well, maybe if we added a few more fields and collected a little bit more information on the student and were able to track the timing of those fields, we'd be able to analyze our process better and see what we were missing when. And the other side was, well, we needed to add an application stage because requirements have changed within the U.S., let's say, maybe it could have been related to test score submission or the requirement of original documents. Anything within that was kind of difficult with a homegrown system to, you know, sit down and, and write out technical requirements to our IT team that were internal and really explain to them why this was necessary, you know, make our case as to why this had to happen because the programming of it and development was so complicated. 
Where with Salesforce is you kind of sit down and you look at the life cycle of the student and say, okay, I need to start a, I need to start a stage right about here in the admissions process, because that's going to allow me to not only identify where some of my shortcomings are in my process, but enable communication. And that is a big thing, right? If you have the ability to kick off communication to students at some of these critical milestones, that alone is such a huge time savings. And also from an engagement perspective, super important to the student because they're, again, they're part of that community, part of your process, and they're getting to know you. And it's not like, gee, my application has been sitting at the school for so many months, depending on your admission schedule, if you have rolling admissions or holding all your applications into, until you have a central review time, you know, that student may not have heard anything from your school for a while. So if you notice that that's a sticking point in your process, you can spin something up pretty quickly, kick off some messaging related to that. And, you know, hey, student, you're, you're still working through your application, but here are some great things going on in our institution. And here's why you want to decide to come with us when you're accepted. All those things can be easily done within Salesforce and some of the, you know, out of the box solutions within some of the core products in Salesforce. And then Salesforce also has the Education Cloud product, which is amazing. There's an Admissions Connect piece where you can review documents in the student record. You're not going into a secondary screen to look at downloads and pulling up PDFs. There's a viewer built in. So you're looking at student data and information and looking at documents or anything that has been scanned into their file or emailed into their file without having to worry about, gee, who am I going to get that signed document from, from someone? Oh, wait, there's a security block on that. I can't access that. It takes all that out of the mix. It really allows you to secure data in a way that's super important to schools, but also share it to the appropriate parties because it can be so specifically designed. So this is how one major educational organization tackled the complex issue of examining internal processes, identifying pain points, and implementing solutions. In this case, a Salesforce technology solution to bring quality to the forefront for the benefit of all. You've been listening to Ahead of the Curve, produced by Gerent. Our thanks to both April Bulwage and Lance Johnson from Gerent for their input and insights on quality and how it can positively impact admissions processes at educational companies and higher ed institutions. Technical producer of Ahead of the Curve is Dave Grind from the Acme Podcasting Company in Toronto, Canada. And I'm Chris Henry. Thanks for joining us today.